Good afternoon, this is Dr. Dan Guerra. I come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. This is a Friday afternoon, right before Mother's Day weekend, 12 May 2023. Let's um, get into our last aspects here <clears throat> of the epigenetic control modifications in both atherosclerosis and cancer that we've been leading up to in our discussions of intermediary metabolism, particularly the association of redox and intermediates in the TCA cycle, both in the cytoplasm and in the mitochondrium. Now, remember that microRNAs are non-coding, typically pretty small, and they regulate gene expression, often described as transcriptional regulation. We went through that whole pathway quite a bit. Not going to do it right now. Essentially, it's complementarity between a microRNA and a given messenger RNA. That complementarity then generates a double-stranded RNA, which can be removed via multiple physiological complex mechanisms. So the mature microRNA is small, non-coding, usually between 20 and 25 nucleotides. Those would be ribonucleotides. And what they do when they are synthesized and uh, occur in the cytoplasm is incorporate into an RNA-induced silencing complex. It's called a RISC. And it specifically guides that complex to the target transcript. This usually occurs most significantly at the three-prime untranslated region or the UTR of the transcript. That, of course, would lead to a lack of translation, therefore suppressing protein synthesis. And also it leads to an enhanced transcriptional degradation of the targeted transcript. So we can say it's a post-transcriptional phenomenon, but because it's affecting transcript levels, removal of transcript via these microRNAs can also lead to an alteration of nascent transcription back at the nucleus. The most uh, relevant phenomenon, however, with microRNAs is the removal of the transcript itself, as I just went through the mechanism of, I mean, the general mechanism. There's much more detail than what I just said. <laughs> and that means ultimately you just get less polypeptides synthesized. Okay. Now, if you take a look at RNA work, it looks like there's only in the mammalian cells that have been studied some 50 different molecular species of microRNA, particularly in endothelial cells. And it appears that there's an integrated microRNA network that involves a great deal of molecular interactions with multiple organic compounds as well as reactive oxygen that control blood vessel diameter and angiogenesis. So ultimately, the microRNAs seem to be related to physiological homeostasis, but also when there's a corruption vascular inflammation, um, pathophysiological angiogenesis, 
an alteration of metabolism as we've been speaking. Particularly, think about redox and think about carbon source for uh, bioenergetics. Now, <clears throat> there have been many of these microRNAs in the epithelial cells that seem to be involved directly in redox, as I just alluded to, and particularly the MER 200 family seem to play a very significant role in oxidative metabolism and then leading to endothelial dysfunction cardiovascular disease, and these are linked often in obesogenic humans that are suffering also from type 2 diabetes. Now, besides that, there are different microRNAs like the MIR210s, and those play a very significant role, as I've mentioned last year, in mitochondrial metabolism when I was discussing with you cytoepigenetics, right? Uh, and the paper I published on that uh, late in 2022, right around Christmas time. So microRNAs themselves, their transcription can be regulated by the accumulation of reactive oxygen. That means that the microRNAs that are targeting specific genes that modify redox are being alerted and turned on by a pre-existing condition of an accumulation of reactive oxygen, sometimes in a pathophysiological uh, role and sometimes in a straight homeostatic physiological role. So getting back to our discussions of uh, seven keto cholesterol, and I'm sorry about the last lecture being cut off. Um, there's several complex reasons for that, and I will tell you sometime what they were, but not now. The evidence that 7-ketocholesterol post-transcriptionally regulated isocitrate dehydrogenase isoform 2 expression via a MER-144 showed a promotion of oxidative damage in vascular endothelial cells. So MIR-144, now that microRNA, when it's overexpressed, it will inhibit trans, uh, at the level of inhibition of translation of the IDH2 transcript. Transcript will not be translated. And this has been observed in vascular endothelial cells and what occurs because of that is an attenuation of nitric oxide availability. So significant to that, an in vivo delivery of MIR-144, now this is of course in the murine model, has been shown to specifically in the cell repress IDH2 expression in the aorta, these are living animals, thus reducing endothelium-dependent vasorelaxation, vasodilation, as associated with nitric oxide. Now, conversely, when you silence out the MIR-144 by using an antisense microRNA, you can prevent the inhibition of isocitrate dehydrogenase isoform 2AD and ADPH producing by 7-keto cholesterol.
So what all this data suggests is that keto cholesterol is associated with the inducible microRNA negative feedback loop that normally regulates endothelial, smooth, cell, smooth muscle cell endothelial function in the mammal. So let's put this all kind of together. Let's do a synthesis, which I love to do. Oxysterols is associated with the induction of endothelial oxidative stress, as we've been saying, and this leads to an impairment of endothelial function. We know that mitochondria play an important role, and now we know why, because of that involvement of isocytic dehydrogenase isoforms in the mitochondria. And we also know that mitochondria typically play just a common redox role relative to the production of reactive oxygen, because you know the electron transport chain, predominantly discussed in mitochondria, uh, it involves the one electron step reduction of molecular oxygen to water during the transport of aqueous electrons through the complexes, proton pumping in out of the inner mitochondrial membrane and back into the uh, F0-F1 ATPase, regulating overall oxidative phosphorylation. Right? Now, you can ask the question, what is the mechanism of the 7-ketocholesterol in its association with isocitrate dehydrogenase? Now, I just told you that it's relative to the microRNA, didn't I? Yes. Now, we want to know more about the biochemical impact on endothelial function, and we want to be looking at now not a mouse model, but at least cells of humans. So these are going to be human aortic endothelial cells, or HAECs. Now, these cells are going to be implanted into mice. So this is obviously a heterologous model, and there's a lot of caveat to that. As you know, I always like to say, because it's true. So these HAECs treated with 7-ketocholesterol show significant reductions in isocytrate dehydrogenase message. And not only message, but protein levels. Now we know how that occurs because of microRNA. So decrease in message, decrease in translation product, the protein, and also decrease in IDH2 enzymatic activity. That will lead to, of course, a decrease in NADPH concentration and an increased ratio of reduced to oxidized glutathione all within the mitochondria. So 7-ketocholesterol induces the expression of that specific microRNA we just introduced to you, MIR-144, MIR-144, which endured targets because of complementarity and therefore down-regulates the entire IDH2 sequence of events down to the level of an ADPH and glutathione metabolism. <coughs> So if you do an in silico analysis, you can predict that MIR-144 will bind very well to the 3' UTR of IDH2 messenger RNA. So when you get the overexpression of MIR-144, you see the decrease in IDH2 and the decrease in the levels of NADPH, that whole system I just described to you uh, 
in terms of the mechanistic ability of MIR-144 to inhibit translation of the polypeptide, therefore the lessening of the activity of the enzyme in the mitochondria, the decrease of the NADPH is all a very linear response. You can also find that MIR-144 levels are elevated in those HAECs in response directly to treatment by 7-ketocholesterol. Now, let's talk about an immunoprecipitation of mere-induced silencing complex that would be mere-risk complex in HAECs. You can harvest that complex with lysis buffer, and you, of course, are going to use RNase inhibitors, right? If you want to talk about a bit of the nitty-gritty of the lab bench work, <clears throat> you also need an RNase inhibitor for all this work. The lysates then were incubated with antibody, because it's going to be that kind of assay. And then ultimately, you're going to get an immunoprecipitated RNA fraction, and you're going to extract that once again. So the immunoprecipitated uh, RNA complex is then finally purified down and used in a PCR reaction to reveal that the 7-keto cholesterol increases specifically the functional targeting of MIR-144-2, the IDH2 messenger RNA, specifically in human aortic endothelial cells. Again, if you infuse 7-ketocholesterol in vivo, you decrease vascular IDH2 expression and you impair vascular tonicity via that specific microRNA-144. So it appears that 7-ketocholesterol controls microRNA-144 expression which in turn decreases IDH2 expression, attenuates nitric oxide bioavailability, and ultimately impairs the endothelial functional homeostasis. Okay, so now you've got the whole picture there. A lot of epigenetics and also a lot of clinical pathology. Now let's get into more detail here, which we always do in authentic biochemistry. Let's talk about phagocyte NADPH oxidase activity. And there's a cute little name. It's called FOX, P-H-O-X. That enzyme will produce high levels of superoxide and secondary oxidants like the hydroxyl anion, which is very potent, in phagocytes. Hello, hello. How are you, Charlotte? I got